Well, uh, good morning, and uh, apologies for just dropping in on you at the end of your communion service, very rude, um, but here I am, nevertheless. Uh, there's a great saying, isn't there, that if something's not broke, don't fix it, and it's, uh, it seems a great shame when you read this passage that Jesus wasn't fully aware of the wisdom of that scenario. Uh, if something's bearing fruit, um, leave it alone, um, uh, but Jesus in this passage has a contrary opinion on this. And I think he's contrary because he's a gardener. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm pathologically um, averse to gardening. I find the whole enterprise shocking and uh, exhausting, and it reminds me of how good my father is at it, and I can't compete, and so I, I give up. And um, We have recently graveled our front garden, um, leaving behind it some wonderful planting things that someone else knows what they are. Um, but I'm quite relieved to have got that gardening process out of my uh, many jobs on my to-do list. But it seems that God is not like me. Um, you heard it here first. <laughs> um, my father, Jesus says, is a gardener. A gardener. He loves the time, the care, the attention that it takes to tweak and train us, to grow us, to make us into the most beautiful thing that he can. And my father is a gardener. And if you went to any of the gardens that he has cultivated over the last uh, 39 years that I've known him, you'd see beauty in all of them, to rival Kew Gardens. It's quite extraordinary what you can do with a pair of secateurs and enough time on your hands to, uh, to do flowers and things. My father is a gardener. The gardener that Jesus is talking about is, is one of those words that is slightly hard to translate because it's obviously about a vine. So there's a bit of a farmer analogy in here as well. It's not just gardening to produce beauty, it's, it's like having an orchard, I suppose, in your garden in the UK, with your apple trees and your pear trees and all those sort of things. And he wants a tangible result from it. Beauty, yes, because the vines are gorgeous. But he also wants the grapes, presumably to make the wine so we can have communion together and that sort of thing. My father's a gardener. But what he does is hard to hear. Because on the one hand is the, the sensible thing. Because if you know anything about vines and as you're realize I know very little, uh, they can produce from them sort of this dead wood type stuff that unless you chop it off, it's a waste of energy. So you, just, you have to get rid of that and then you burn that and, get, and clear it out. But the really hard thing is not that God as the gardener might chop us off you know, the bits of us that have no fruit whatsoever, but that he can look at something as wonderful as, as your lives and as wonderful as the life that he's working through, through me and through this church family and go, actually, I'm going to put a stop to that bit. <laughs> the fruitful bit, I prune. Now, you have to get the right image of pruning, and, and many of you will have heard talks like this before, so you'll know that he's not just talking about cutting off the blossom at the end of a plant or tweaking it back, but the pruning of a vine, the vine dressing, takes you right back to the stem. So you chop it off right here, and then the stem sort of grows over it. I'm deliberately avoiding Tony Eastwood's eyes in case I'm factually incorrect here. Um, this is what I read in a book. The, the vine grows over it, um, and then it shoots out again. And all the energy that was going into producing the last grape-bearing branch can now come into other places and produce other fruit and results. And you might think, but I liked the grapes there. 
I was familiar with the grapes there. I knew the grapes there. The grapes there were doing what I wanted them to do, and they produced the best wine of the season. But there's a problem, isn't there? If you try to make next year's wine with last year's grapes, again, I know nothing about winemaking, but I'm guessing that's a problem. (laughs) It's not going to work. You need the new branches, the new grapes, for the new vintage. And the worst thing that could happen to a vine was if the vine dresser, the farmer, listened to the vine going, don't cut me, (laughs) leave me alone, I'm happy where I am, and left it on its own. Because before long, the vine would be bearing no fruit whatsoever. Does that make sense? That's the basic analogy. There's a really, really good bit of news in this passage, though, and it's so good, it's, it's hard to, um, to spot in some ways. It simply says, if you abide in me, in other words, if you're pruned by me, you will bear... No, you will bear much fruit. Isn't that incredible? I mean, it's glorious, isn't it? In other words, all you have to do is rest in me and you'll bear much fruit. Now, I have an Exhibit A brought to you all the way from Wolverhampton. Uh, This is Hannah. Hannah, Hannah, come on up here. I haven't prepped her for this, but uh, Hannah was my glorious first ever team member uh, when we were doing Wolverhampton Pioneer Ministries years ago, and she still talks to me, which is uh, incredible. Um, I think it's because we have a house in London, and it's a nice place to stay if you're going to Harry Potter events or that sort of thing. Um, but thank you. That, 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 that. Um, but H- Hannah um, came and joined us in his first year. And the first thing we did, trying to start a whole new congregation, and, and a thing where there were only 200 young adults in the whole of the churches, in the whole of Wolverhampton, so if you don't know where Wolverhampton is, it's because you're from London. Uh, but in other places of the world, it's quite important. It's just above Birmingham. It's the 13th biggest city in the, in the country. It's a big, big place. Um, 270,000 people there. Uh, the first thing we did was we had 40 days of prayer and fasting. And we had a maverick, weird, incredible, wonderful guy called Chris who lived up the clock tower um, for 72 hours and had a prayer basket coming down as you could drop a prayer in. And we got on the ITV News while we were doing this fasting and prayer. Uh, and he uh, ended up with probably tinnitus because the bell rang every hour for 72 hours, bless him. And it was a wonderful thing. We abided, and then extraordinarily, from almost no resources, we had £2,000 spending. That was our entire resources. Over the year, God grew a congregation. And then we lost Chris, our, our main team member. Um, and then God grew it even more. And uh, then eventually I moved on after three years, and it grew even more. Uh, amazing what God could do, and it's been through different cycles since then, so it's not just a uniform story. But one of the things we did was once a month, we would pray and fast from 9 till 12, and then we would invite other leaders in, um, they come from 12 till 2, um, and, and then we, we would just get on with our week. So all we did was just abide um, for one of the key mornings of our, our month. And then um, we got an amazing outreach opportunity with the art gallery, do you remember? And uh, that we got to do a photography project with all sorts of uh, young people who weren't in education or training and take them around Wolverhampton. And we did great outreach to them. But we noticed before long that our overall spiritual output and fruitfulness was declining despite the fact that we'd increased our outreach. And we had these amazing opportunities that we were seizing, but it was on the same day of the week 
that we have been doing our fasting and prayer. You see? And actually, we got to the point where we're like, oh, we've missed something here. <laughs> missed a trick. So if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Not if you do more activity. <laughs> you remain in me. And if you've read the Mike Breen stuff on Life Shapes, you'll say he sees it as a pendulum. You do some abiding, and then you do some bearing fruit. Remain fruit, remain fruit. I'm not sure it's exactly like that, although I've taught it in the past. It seems to be something about living in Christ and Christ in you constantly, but also intentionally. And when he prunes you, deliberately accepting the pruning times and going, yeah, okay, this is all right, actually. I'm not doing everything I was doing. You know, I'm newly retired or whatever it may be. The activity that gave me purpose is gone. But there's more of his life flowing through me than there was six months ago. So what is this fruit that Jesus is talking about? And people have posited different ideas. On the one hand, the easiest place to go to is in Galatians 5, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit is peace, joy, love, perseverance, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, love. Against these things there is no law, says Paul in Galatians. So is it all that great characteristics um, of the Spirit flowing through you? Is that the fruit that we can have if we abide in Jesus? Or is it the fruit of mission and of seeing new grapes appearing on the branches? Going, wow, look, people have come to know the Lord Jesus for themselves and got peace and joy as well. It's not just about me, it's about them as well. The answer is the whole bunch, obviously. It's not either or, it's everything. If you've got the life of Jesus flowing through you, says Jesus, you'll have the Jesus life flowing through you. It'll affect people around you, it'll affect you on the inside, it'll affect everyone. If you abide in me, you'll be more Jesus-like. Did you know that? That's one of the Bible's agendas for your life, is to be Jesus-like. Not, you know, on the cross as the Messiah of the world, because that job's been taken, thank goodness. But taking up your cross and following him, through difficulties and troubles and hardships, being pruned and bearing fruit. And this fruit lasts. It lasts. Do you know, the Bible says that there is going to be a day where everything you've done in your life is going to be put on display. It's going to be judged. It's going to be judged with one key core element. It's going to be judged with fire. And a whole bunch of stuff's going to be burnt up. (laughs) Remember the story of the three little pigs? (laughs) One little pig builds a house of wood. It's blown over. Another one with straw gets blown over. But the one that's built with enduring materials, it lasts the storm of life. And that's pretty much the point that is made in the Bible. When your life is judged, what's going to last? It's the bits that are connected to Jesus, that live forever. Because he is the life. And it's his life in you that goes on forever. It's a glorious thing. Great truth to mull over. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in him, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There was a whole year when we were in Wolverhampton, Hannah and I, where I had, apart from me, you can do nothing, as the core verse that God just kept hammering away at 20-something-year-old minister me. 
Apart from me, you can do nothing, Richard. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then after about 12 months, I guess I must have finally understood it a little bit by then, he released another verse to me. And it said, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Where where are you at on your journey today? What's the vine looking like in your part of the vine? Is there fruit on the branch? Can you see it? Are you trying to look back to where the fruit grew a year or four years ago and go, oh, I wish it was there. Has a gardener come along and said, I think I'm just going to chop a bit off you. And you've gone, go away. We were listening to um, Harry Potter in the car touring around Scotland. Great spiritual experience for you. Uh, one of my boys got nightmares. <laughs> there's, a, there's a really interesting moment in it where, um, if you know the story, the kids turn up at their boarding school. Glorifying boarding school is extraordinary in this day and age. And um, a sorting hat comes onto them to decide what, hat, what house they want to go into. And this kid, the main guy in the story, says, not Slytherin, not Slytherin, not Slytherin. And the hat talks to him and he sort of says, hats talk to them in the story. He says, okay, well, you can go in this one then. And there's a really similar story in the Bible. One of the great heroes of the Old Testament gets to a certain point in his life where he's just been fantastic. It's called Hezekiah. And he ends up with a horrible illness that will lead to his death. And he goes, not Slytherin, not Slytherin, not Slytherin. And his life is extended by 20, 25 years, something like that. And he screws up his entire legacy in those last years. Isn't that interesting? I don't know what the right and wrongs of that story is at all, but it's certainly one to pay attention to, isn't it? What do you really want from your life? More of what you've got now? Or the grace to bear much fruit? If you want to bear Jesus' fruit, Jesus says, there really is only one way to have the gardener come along and help teach you to abide again. Say, but I loved what we had going for us a year ago. I loved it when Fred was around, Charlotte was around, Katrina was around. I loved it when it was just like it was. My father's a gardener. Keeps bringing changes. But if you go through the change with him, then you can bear much fruit. And some of you are here for the first time today. It's lovely to see you here. Uh, Welcome. It's it's really nice to have you, your company. Some of you have been here for years. Some of you have been here for for months. Um, And we've been on such a journey as a church family for, for decades here, really. You may not know the whole story. Uh, 30-odd years ago, the Bishop of Kensington wanted to close this church down. Extraordinary, given its incredible location. Um, but God changed it, pruned it. Uh, there was two years with no vicar whatsoever, and the church grew wonderfully without a vicar. <laughs> 
It's a seminal story, that one. I remember coming uh, here um, for the church weekend away before I arrived. I'd been appointed, and I was sitting at the church weekend away at a nice hotel somewhere in the countryside and chatting to some people on a table. And um, they were absolutely adamant that they didn't need a vicar. <laughs> it, was, it was really affirming of my arrival. It's like, we definitely don't need a vicar here. We've got all the resources we need to sort this place out for ourselves. And you know what the truth is? Of course, this church does. Great resources at its fingertips. Brilliant people, wonderful people. And in God's mercy, he prunes and brings other people along and brings other fruit along, and other things happen. Um, but, you know, God takes us away from situations, and then fruit happens. So, in the last while, we got to a point where we felt it was right to open up a new church building over at St. Albans, Saxon Green, which is where I've just come running across from, because we have two services happening at exactly the same time. Um, and that has been very costly to church family in different ways. We were pruned heavily, weren't we? If you were here at the 10.30 service the Sundays after, um, we sent loads of people over there. It was a weird experience. It was a strange experience. And yet from that pruning, other people have come in and there's been wonderful and abundant growth. But there's also a sort of a, a sense of, can you do wise leadership? And can you just sort of try and spot what God's doing and join in. And so we, we went through an exercise with the church councils where we were trying to think, you know, are we trying to do too much as a church? We're not a huge church. We're one of the most active churches I've ever come across. It might reflect some of my personality. I may be culpable for some of that. Um, and we have a great fruit, don't we? All over the place. We have, we're open seven days a week across three sites. Amazing what God's doing. People are coming to faith. We had a lovely baptism on Easter Sunday evening for Claudine from this congregation. It's glorious seeing her say, oh, I'm so glad to be part of the church family. Wonderful. And others are going to be baptised at Pentecost Sunday at the evening service as well. Maybe that's you going to be baptised there. The coal at the back is going to be baptised real soon as well. Lovely to see what God's doing. Give us a wave, Nicole. She's on the sound desk there. Spotting the T-shirt. Right on message. Um, it's lovely, isn't it? Fruit keeps coming, but how can we organise ourselves best? And so what we've put out today is this um, little worship survey, and if you've been with us for ages, you'll remember that we did a very similar one in 2012. And it's just beginning to ask us for some information about how we're feeling about church. Now, I began the talk by saying, if it's not broke, don't fix it, um, and what a great congregation we are here this morning. I mean, I, I get to go to all sorts of churches, and frankly, lots of them are in a complete mess. And, uh, and this is a lovely, lovely and fruitful congregation. It's a lovely group of people, and God's done wonderful things through this 10.30 service. It used to be at 11 o'clock, we moved it to 10.30. Uh, God keeps doing things. I'm not sure everyone got the message that we moved it to 10.30, because at least half of you turn up at 11 o'clock still. <laughs> but it's, uh, but it, it's a thing, isn't it? It's a lovely thing. But what we're asking in this survey is, are we using our resources really well? And you may have been part of the experience of um, going over to St Albans for our three services in a row, the confirmation service and the one after, and then there was a strange one because we had Messy Church here. Um, and there were 200 people from Messy Church here while having an adult service at St Albans. And what we're just beginning to ask is, what would it be like if we concentrated our resources as strategically and cleverly as possible and did one really great service here and one really great service at St Albans 
and see what happened from that, see if there was fruit from that. It may be a ridiculous idea. It may be the most stupid idea uh, that anyone's ever come up with. It's unlikely to be the most stupid because I've come up with some really wacky stuff that's never made it this far along a thinking process. Um, but it, it feels like a, a question worth asking for a few reasons. One of them is the children. Um, I don't know if you can remember Sunday school, if you got to go to Sunday school. Um, it seems that for kids, it's really hard to go to Sunday school unless you've got people very, very close in age to you, around you. And we run two Sunday schools at the same time, which means that our children resources are spread out. Actually, we've got 50, 60, 70 kids in the 5 to 11 age bracket, but they can go along to a group and find they're the only kid in their school age, or there's two or three, um, and that feels quite isolated if you're a kid. I don't know if you remember that experience for yourself, but it's a thing, and it means that we're duplicating the resources of teachers. It also means we have five-year-olds and ten-year-olds in the same class. And that's quite a big age spread, if you, if you can remember that. That's uh, my daughter down to younger than my youngest son. And they're, they're very different human beings. If we brought it together somehow, somewhere, um, we could have different groups, more age-specific. That would be interesting. Um, it's also the thing with the, the worship band. Um, at the moment, we're running two worship bands at exactly the same time, trying to do almost exactly the same thing. There's advantages of that. It means we've got more opportunities for more people. There's disadvantages as well. Um, it's not often we get a full band out at both sites, and it's lovely when that comes together and there's more noise. There's also this thing around, it's actually really hard to know who's here and who isn't here. Um, there are times when I, I come like, oh, um, I haven't seen you for ages, Richard. I'm like, I know, but I've been working my socks off, I'm sorry. <laughs> there's just lots of things to juggle. Um, can we streamline for pastoral care so that we know if people are uh, missing or, or not there? Now, none of these may be the right thing, and everything that we're doing is fruitful. It's lovely to see. But we thought we probably got to the stage in talking about this at committee level where it was right to begin to talk to you as congregations and see what do you think. And so for the next four Sundays, these surveys will be out. And what I'd really like you to do is to, um, because it's, it's one of those things that if you take it away, you probably won't ever fill it in because <laughs> that's just life. I'd love you to fill it in now uh, hand it in if, you, if you're willing to. If you want to then fill it in next week and say this is my new revised version, then please, please do that. So if you change your mind during the week or the fortnight or the month, then please change your mind, just fill it in again. Um, but we'd, we'd love to get a sense of this. And then in nine days' time, we're having a vision evening uh, over at St Albans, 7.30. It's our annual church meeting. We'll be electing the new church council members as well. And it'll be a chance for group discussion, question and answer, and just to really tease this out together and either kick it into the very, very long grass or, or see what it would take to, to um, move us forward in, in some way. Um, this is a wonderful church family. One of the reasons it's wonderful is because we try and abide in Jesus. One of my big images for this space is of a throne with a huge Jesus in it. He's the centre of this church. It's his church. He gets to do what he likes with it, not me, and I suppose not, not you either. <laughs> um, it's his church. We want his presence more than anything. If you heard that sermon last week, the Ark of the Covenant goes first. His presence goes first. It's what we're, we're after. Um, change is rubbish, isn't it? It's going to be really hard to say goodbye to Mike in a few weeks' time. Um, 
It's hard, isn't it? Um, in the last week, I've been in touch with Keir Shreves, our last curate, the ridiculously good-looking one who made the rest of us feel insecure. <laughs> um, he, and he's doing great. And she did a lovely message saying, thank you so much for the curacy I had here. It was just wonderful to, to grow with you all and passing on his love. Tom Barber, who was one of our worship interns, has invited me to go and do some teaching in Oxford for his school of ministry. So I'm going to have to swap up on Oxford-type stuff um, to do that. Emily's going to be back on May the 20th in the evening. At the service that we're sending Mike away, we're also going to be commissioning new people into our Order of St. Albans, commissioned ministers here. And we're going to commission her uh, to be a minister in Uganda. Because if she's commissioned here and has a status there, it helps her do ministry in that culture. Lovely to see what God's doing. And Lydia's wedding's coming up. Just wonderful things. I'll see Tim Jones this week. There's a diaspora of wonderful people just on the staff but also within the congregation. We're in a fast-moving part of London, aren't we? People coming and going, we bless them, we send them away. Gather, grow, and give away. We gather, we grow, and we give away. We gather, grow, give away, week by week. We, we gather together, we grow, we give away to the community, to our workplaces, our life places. We gather people here. We've got people applying to do internships already, looking for some places for them to stay. Um, they want to grow here. They know that they can grow here because people do grow here. It's lovely, isn't it? We gather, we grow, we give away. And then the world gets changed because we follow Jesus around. Our friends, please, if you are willing to, take time to fill in the survey. Uh, we're going to finish the service, um, I think, with a, just a prayer maybe in a moment. We're going to have lunch after that. And um, please fill it in. And if you want to change your mind in the week, We'll put it online, you can print it, or you can get it next week, uh, hand it in again, and we'll think it through. Um, thank you for listening. I know it's a longer talk at the end of a longer service. Um, God bless you, and we love you very much. <laughs>